What's up, Gen X? Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your Super Bowl. I know I did, at least as much as I could for not having any kind of vested interest or cheering interest. None of my teams were in it or even close. I was just hoping for a good game, and for the most part, we got that. It was close. It, there was a lot of uh, you know drama towards the end, a lot of good plays, good action, field goal at the end. So for me, not really caring one way or the other, although I was rooting for the Chiefs just maybe a little bit because Philadelphia fans tend to be such bags. But I enjoyed uh, the game for what it's worth. As far as the commercials goes, because that is a, a big thing for those who are not necessarily into the game, uh, I thought it, they were all very, very flat. In fact, I'm trying to remember the last time there was a Super Bowl commercial that I liked, or even really liked. It's, it's been quite a while, and I don't know if that's because... Modern sensibilities have just sucked the joy out of everything, and so everything has to be so bland and milk toast. And I don't know, maybe that's it. But uh, they just—they weren't doing it for me. Although the one thing I did notice is that the commercials seem to have a very certain Gen X feel to them, and maybe even the halftime show, being that's Rihanna, I, I, even though. A, Perfectly honest, I don't know Rihanna. I, I don't know any of her music. I couldn't tell you any of her songs. My kids did, so that was great. But uh, yeah, I, that's not my thing, which is fine. That's you know that they're not trying to appeal to me. They're trying to appeal to a, a more broader audience with that type of thing. So I, but I think she's a little bit more of a of a Gen X act than a millennial act. Although I, again, since it's not my thing, maybe I'm wrong in this because it's a millennial act, but whatever she seemed to do a good job of the fact that she did that while it was revealed afterward that she's pregnant. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty commendable. And I, I even had a baby, I think recently, I think she has an infant at home. So, Hey, good on her for being able to pull that off. I know I could not, but the commercials definitely had a, a bit of a Gen X flair to them, which I thought was really odd for for a couple of reasons. But you know the the commercials we were like a riff on Clueless with a a sort of a, a creepily de-aged Alicia Silverstone. Uh, I thought that was that was weird. There was a a commercial, a couple commercials. I don't know if it was, it was a show. I'm not sure what they were pushing, but they were spoofing Caddyshack. Which, again, they pull on the nostalgia a bit, but why? I don't get it. Uh, Steve Martin was prominently in a number of Pepsi commercials. They were doing Kevin Bacon. They did a Grease commercial montage with John Travolta. They had this Sylvester Stallone, Beavis, and Butthead thing for, I think, Paramount Plus or whatever. Very, very Gen X-focused pop culture commercials. And even still, they, they fell flat with me. And I think that is in no small part that I, I believe that we Gen Xers are, are much more resistant to overt advertising. In fact, that's even proven out in, in many studies that compared to our generational cohorts, 
we Gen Xers are by a wide margin much more resistant to to advertising. I know I personally am always very skeptical when something is very aggressively pushed towards me in advertising. I'm thinking, what are you trying to pull? What what what, what are you trying to screw me over for? Whatever, and I roll my eyes and and move on. And I I, I believe there's a, probably a lot of us fellow Gen Xers who feel the same. All right, so now as I was getting ready for watching the Super Bowl over the weekend, I'm sure you, as as did I, we came aware of all these weird flying object stories. And this comes up right on the heels of what we talked about last week with that Chinese spy balloon that made its way all over North America through Montana, over our, our missile silos, all through the Midwest, down into the South and out over South Carolina, where it was eventually bravely shot down over the Atlantic Ocean. And during that time, the the Biden administration, rightfully so, took a lot of criticism for their very hands-off approach regarding that uh, that overt Chinese spy balloon that went over the country. Well, not to be deterred over this that past weekend in advance of the Super Bowl, I started hearing stories about more flying objects. I thought, well, that's weird. And then you hear they are very quickly, unlike the other one, shot down. One over the Yukon, one over Alaska, and one over Lake Huron. And what I thought was even more perplexing were the descriptions that came out of these objects. And I thought it was peculiar that they were very intentionally vague in their descriptions. They didn't say that they were more balloons. They didn't say they were vehicles. They didn't say whatever. It was just... They were more... UAPs is now the phrase. You know, UFO, apparently, if you didn't know, is out. We can't call things unidentified flying objects now. That must... Maybe it offends somebody. Maybe it gears too many people into silver discs and green men and the X-Files. But now it's UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So that's what they're called now. That's that's the thing. But they were shot down in, in those three locales. But then the descriptions were, they were cylindrical. Uh, they are moving in a atypical pattern and, and on and on and on. And they blast these out of the sky with Sidewinder missiles, one of which missed its target. Where it went, don't know. Has anyone asked the question? Don't know. But that's where we are. And I thought it was very curious with the intentional, overt, vague descriptions of these unidentifiable objects. Well, then you start to hear some trickling in of the descriptions of what these were and the intelligence community... At one point, we're saying that there were payloads on these things. And then that quickly pivoted to, well, no, they're, they're benign. And they're most likely some kind of a balloon or what have you for commercial purposes. And then you think, wait, what? 
what is going on? And I know I, for one, have no trust in anything. And it, kind of an example, I, I think I'm not the only one here. Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about how in the Buffalo Bills playoff game and DeMar Hamlin makes an appearance, and it was very bizarre the way he was dressed in the in, with a mask and sunglasses on and a hoodie. And people were starting to speculate, saying, well, he, he actually died, and this is a body double, and so on. Well, I get the skepticism. I thought it was goofy. And lo and behold, Jamar Hamlin makes an appearance this, this past week at the NFL Honors Awards and, of course, pregame before the Super Bowl. But that is the level to which people don't trust anything anymore. And I don't either. And this is a good example, I think, of that. And so I'm wondering, is this a, a distraction of something? Or are are they trying to ignite a war with Russia, trying to ignite a war with China? What in the world is going on? It's really weird. How could you let this one balloon fly over our entire, our good portion of the country, let it go, and then shoot it down later? Now, these three things which you can't even give us a description of, you blow them out of the sky without question, and you can't even recover them? It's really, really odd. And then... I find out that one of these balloons is suspected to be, and this is no joke, from the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. (laughs) They can no longer find one of their balloons. I believe this balloon brigade is a group of high school students who are studying, among other things, weather and wind patterns and so on. And they sent up a number of balloons, 12 bucks, from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> Only to be likely shot down <laughs> by our president with a $400,000 Sidewinder missile. <laughs> these, these kids in the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade cannot find their balloon. So you can rest assured knowing that we are safe from threats tonight from high school weather enthusiasts. <laughs> so that is all playing in the background as I'm pre-gaming, ready to watch the Super Bowl. I'm feeling good, and I start to see a bunch of weird and very troubling reports cycling around the social media circuit. I didn't, didn't hear this at all in any of the mainstream outlets of a, not just a a train derailment in eastern Ohio, in the small town of East Palestine, Ohio. But I started seeing pictures of these nightmarish black plumes of smoke that were going up into the sky and like very apocalyptic like war Tom Cruise war of the world's like black sky apocalyptic it, it was really really alarming and i think well this is weird how how come i'm not hearing about this anywhere and then i come to find out that this is a result of a train crash that happened in east palestine ohio on february 3rd and i thought well that's also weird because i'm sitting here feeling good pre-game and i have my snacks next to me And it's February 12th. I did not hear about any train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Normally that's a pretty big deal. 
But apparently, with our illustrious travel secretary, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, these train derailments have become somewhat of a normal thing, to the extent that they're not even really reported on much or at all. You know, then this is along with the severe supply chain issues and disruptions that we've had and radar systems going down in control towers and delays during travel seasons, peak holiday travel seasons, and on and on and on. And I think, well, that's maybe, just maybe, a result of diversity, equity, inclusion hires when those types of things are put to the forefront instead of, you know, expertise or smarts or experience. Although Mayor Pete can pound his chest and say that he was the mayor of a college town, so, you know, there's that. But when you put someone like that in a position like travel secretary in charge of all the things that the travel secretary is in charge of, almost solely based on his sexual proclivities, I guess we shouldn't be surprised when there is a train derailment we don't hear about in East Palestine, Ohio. But that doesn't end it. And you think, well, what is with this, this fire and why is this happening nine days later? Well, apparently, this train was carrying many hazardous materials, among which were vinyl chloride, hydrogen chloride, phosgene, and others. And officials became concerned about what would happen with these chemicals if they are just sit there or they could be combustible and explode and and cause some ironically large catastrophe. So the decision was made and signed off by Governors DeWitt of Ohio and Josh Shapiro of Pennsylvania because this site is almost on the border between those two states. And so the decision was made for a controlled burn. In fact, Josh Shapiro even had a press conference where he was reading off what was going to happen and how this was the right thing to do and on and on and on. Well, looks like maybe that was not the case because you you had this apocalyptic explosion and fire that seems to have gone way out of control. If it's not way out of control, you, you, it's even maybe more nightmares thinking is this what they... <laughs> except that this is was was their was their plan a this was the good good part but what also seemed to be evident is how much they were keeping the residents of that town in the dark and you start to see reports of widespread pollution in rivers and streams and fields in that area and a very notable death of wildlife you see dead fish in the rivers and streams you see dead salamanders and frogs and squirrels and so on there's one lady who has a you know, chicken coops in her backyard 10 miles from this site and she went out to feed her chickens one morning and they're all dead and people have uh, they're stinging in their lungs they are, are all kinds of oily, greasy substances and distortion, visual distortions 
on the grounds. This seems to be rivaling the disaster from Three Mile Island. Remember that when we were kids? You remember the national freakout over the potential meltdown from that disaster, which was averted, and a much more serious meltdown like Three Mile Island and Fukushima was averted. But it was that disaster was so alarming at the time that it put a full stop on any further development of nuclear reactors around the country. And we've had to, as those have been phased out over that time, we've been more and more reliant upon coal-generated power plants, which emit emissions in contrast to those nuclear plants, which were shuttered. And those emissions are now what's being blamed for climate change and on and on and on. It's just a, this is round circle, you know. These leftist globalists cause problems. They come in, suggest the solution to the problems. Their solutions cause more problems. And then they want to suggest more solutions to the, the, solve those other problems. And around and around we go. Rinse and repeat. It's the same tired playbook. And here we see it played out in real time over East Palestine, Ohio. Although conspicuously absent from Ohio are very notable environmentalists and environmental enthusiasts. Where are these guys? I mean, we hear them squawking day in and day out about the threats of climate change and how we're all going to die, how we're never going to see snow again, how the seas are, seaboards are going to be flooded because all the icebergs are going to melt around, around the globe. We hear that ad nauseum. But here we have this real-time environmental disaster happening right in front of our face, and these clowns are nowhere to be found. I mean, where's Greta? Where's Michael Moore? Where's Al Gore? Where's Klaus Schwab in the World Economic Forum? Where's BlackRock? Where are all these guys? They're not in East Palestine, Ohio. Is there just, just no money to be made in it? Or maybe they don't care. Because when those of us who raise an eyebrow at these dubious apocalyptic predictions of climate change, because you know we've, we've been there before, from global cooling to the greenhouse effect to the ozone hole to global warming to climate change. We, we've, we've seen it all. We've heard it all. And we've had all the same apocalyptic scenarios that have been shoved in our face and and when we kind of raise a skeptical eye, we're called science deniers. And uh, you want to poison the air and poison the water. But then we're the ones, when there's a train derailment and a, a toxic chemical fire burnt in a small town, we're the ones saying, look at that dirty air. Look at that dirty water. That's not what we want. Who did this? I mean, everyone wants to point fingers at the the train rail company which they certainly share some blame but what about all the clowns who signed off on it what about all the systems and the apparatus that are supposed to keep these things functional it seems like we are seeing a real-time collapse of all our systems and this is just another example i mean how many things have we been squawking about <laughs> week in and week out 
you know, I, and our reaction is Gen Xers are like, yeah, okay, this is what we expected. <laughs> this is this is about right. <laughs> but it seems to be that we are in collapse because all of these government apparatuses that are supposed to keep us safe, that are supposed to make things run smoothly, they are collapsing in front of our face. Meanwhile, we continue to spend more and more money on these infrastructure projects, but trains are derailing and catching on fire. We're sending billions of dollars to Ukraine when people's lives are being destroyed in eastern Ohio. And really, anywhere along, say, the Ohio River Valley or the air that's going northeast from from there up through Pennsylvania to western New York and so on. All of them are going to be impacted. No one cares. The system is in collapse. Kind of takes you back to the 80s and we Reagan babies can remember how Reagan viewed the Soviet Union. While people were scaring us with dramatics like, was it the day after? You know, showing the a nuclear war from a rural Kansas town. They were freaking us out with that, saying that, that Reagan was going to ignite the world on fire. But what they didn't want to acknowledge, what Reagan knew, was that what he saw when he saw the Soviet Union was a system in decline. He saw the bread lines. He saw the people's want for Western culture. He knew it was going to collapse. And within short order, sure enough, it, it did. Feels like the tables have have flipped now, and we are now in a rapid decline. And those nations that are hostile to us to us are on the ascent. But again, I just I I don't trust any of that, and I don't know why everyone's so absent. I mean, and then you see there's a, a there was also this past week a fire in a warehouse in Kissimmee, Florida. There's a train derailment again in Michigan and no one cares. It's But yet, is this all a great distraction? Is this a distraction from that reporting from Seymour Hersh that in all likelihood the United States bombed Nord Stream 1 and 2 with the help from Norway? Is it to distract us from the leaks of the emails between Jeff Epstein and an exec from J.P. Morgan using very creepy Disney code to order young girls. Is that is that dam starting to crack? Are they trying to have us look at the shiny thing? I don't know. What I do know is I don't trust any of it. As we've said before, our the sneering distrust of everything that we've grown up as Gen Xers is serving us well. All right, one last thing that I also found very, very troubling. I am not Catholic, and I, but I, my mother grew up Catholic. She went to Latin Mass. I grew up on the south side, southwest side of the city, where it is very predominantly Catholic, Irish Catholic at that. But I'm not Catholic, and but I have a lot of friends and family who are. But apparently, the FBI office out of Richmond, Virginia is now viewing them as extremists, particularly those 
who attend a Latin Mass and view now the rosary as an extremist symbol. Meanwhile, you have a bunch of lily-white spoiled rich kids in Antifa garb out burning federal buildings, setting substations on fire, and they're being treated as just a, an illusion, an idea. But they're looking at the, the Catholic Church, in particular the rosary, as an, a symbol of extremism. That is how quickly we have declined. We are in collapse. So on that happy note, <laughs> I want to bring back the image, that meme image that we talked about last week of the, the blonde dragon queen from Game of Thrones with a cigarette in her mouth, laughing, smiling as the world is in flame behind her. I feel very much like that, where the black plumes in East Palestine, Ohio, are going up, and we're looking back at the camera like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> this is what we thought. <laughs> but on the flip side, February is almost over, and spring is going to be coming soon. And this past week, we got to hear the three best words in the entirety of the English, English language, and that is pitchers and catchers report. Forward, excuse me. Pitchers and catchers report. So better things are on the horizon, so keep your chin up, Gen X, because we're just going to be smile through it one way or the other. So hope all is well with you, and we will see you next time. Or not. Whatever. Whatever.